This is a sermon from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. To learn more about New City or to hear more sermons in this series, visit newcitycincy.org. Matthew eleven twenty-five to 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, My name is Zach Meyer, and I'm one of the pastors here at New City. Uh, I'm excited to be with you this Sunday, uh, which is Trinity Sunday. Uh, And we're coming towards the end of our study of the fruit of the Spirit, and today we get to gentleness. Uh, And I'm going to tell you a little story uh, that lets you know I know exactly how to do gentleness, okay? Uh, So this is sophomore year of college. Uh, It was uh, just a typical night, uh, kind of in the fall semester, and went to go have some dinner with some friends. And then afterwards, of course, you go and peruse all the desserts that are there. Uh, and thankfully, because it was fall, you know, they had all the pies out, right? You know, you're getting closer to Thanksgiving. They have to have all the different types of pies out. So they have all these individualized pies and these little kind of foil tins. Uh, and you don't just commit, right? Because you could get, by accident, you're thinking you're going to go get a pumpkin pie, and instead you get a sweet potato pie, Right? Uh, so I pick one up, and I just kind of inspect a little bit, and kind of say, is this the kind of pie that I want today? And I say, you know what? It's not. So I put it back down, and as I go to look for another dessert, one of the employees from behind the counter comes out and says, now that you've done that, this is what I have to do to the dessert, and grabs the dessert and flings it across into an open trash can and walks away. And like lightning from the inside of my being, uh, without even really thinking about it, the first instinct I have is to put my hands out on top of all of the pies. <laughs> and that's an embarrassing uh, and yet, uh, I think, you know, true illustration uh, of something that's true about human nature, uh, that it's actually really, really hard uh, and somewhat far less satisfying to respond kindly to someone else when they slight us. Uh, It's much easier to respond in kind and also in kind of like increasingly inflammatory ways uh, whenever you get into a conflict. Uh, If you've ever been in a car with two siblings, you've seen that happen, right? It just kind of keeps escalating all the way up. Uh, It's much more superficially satisfying to put your hands on the pies. Uh, So I hope you're happy to know that you get to hear about gentleness from somebody who really understands how to do it this morning. But we come to the end of the the series on the fruit of the Spirit. We hit this aspect called gentleness and actually calls us to do something really different. Uh, Instead of actually kind of seeking to get our own, it calls us to a whole different way of life. Uh, But the thing about gentleness is that our understanding of it is often obscured uh, by different kind of ideas that we've developed over time, right? So you might hear uh, gentleness and you may imagine like a guy in 1800s garb with a top hat, right? Uh, thinking of a gentleman. Uh, You might think of somebody who loves to just give compliments out in public, maybe hold a door or two. Uh, And then sometimes we actually hear gentleness and we actually think of it might be more of a a way of interacting with the world that's a bit more passive uh, or mushy or kind of absent and disconnected in some way. 
And so when we hear just the idea of gentleness, sometimes we go, ah, you know, it doesn't really sound appealing to me. It sounds like a way to interact with the world without a lot of personality, uh, and then it also sounds like a great way to be in the world and get steamrolled by other people. And that's also true in culture today. In our society right now, historian George Marsden points out that we live in an age in which social media puts an immense premium on cultivating anger and indignation, that we're experiencing a pandemic of addictive outrage that spreads uncontrollably on the internet and into our everyday lives. This is all around us. And so if we try to attempt to deal with this anger, this indignation, and this outrage with a vague sense of gentleness, it won't help us. A, a kind of contemporary idea of gentleness that's uh, superficial will actually end up being incredibly ineffective in our daily lives. And not only is that true kind of out in society, it's also true at home, right? Uh, we we kind of have a low view of what gentleness can look like at home. Uh, we think that if we're gentle, that nothing will get done. If we're gentle to our kids, their kids' rooms will be in ramshackles the whole week, right? Uh, we think that if we're gentle, the kitchen will always be a mess. We think that if we're gentle, uh, that that pile of laundry will just continue to get taller and taller and taller. We tend to think that, you know, gentleness is not a way to reach what we really prize in our culture, which is competency. We love to be competent, and gentleness challenges that. Uh, and we can kind of think about gentleness almost like uh, chalk artwork, right? Uh, which, even if it is beautiful, and sometimes it's really not, uh, but even if chalk artwork is really beautiful, eventually it's going to rain and it's going to wash it out. There's no substance to it. It's gone. It's blank. So the question we ask is, is this the kind of gentleness that God is calling us to step into? A gentleness that is empty, vague, and not really applicable to our lives. Uh, the answer is no, uh, but the good news is I have three points to tell you why that's not today. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. We're going to look at these three points uh, to help us understand the biblical concept of gentleness. Uh, the first point that we're going to look at is what gentleness is. The second is how we attempt to do gentleness on our own. Uh, and then the third is how we learn gentleness from Jesus. Uh, so what is gentleness? Uh, since this word is loaded up with a whole bunch of different pictures or ideas, actually I think it can be helpful for us to go back to the original meaning of the word. Uh, and so the Greek word for gentleness in Galatians 5, where we see the list of the fruit of the Spirit, and also the derivative of it in verse 29, our passage today, is this word that's proutes. Uh, and proutes functionally means something more like a power that is under control. A power that's under control. And so a way you can think about that is kind of in contrast to the story I told at the beginning, right? I was there exercising my power in a very uncontrolled way. Uh, if I was exercising gentleness, if I had the fruits of proutes, uh, I would actually be using my power in kind of a constrained way to help me navigate that situation. So as a negative example, my pie story kind of shows that my power was really out of control and that I wasn't being very gentle. Uh, but here's another way to understand biblical gentleness, and I love this quote a lot. Uh, it is the quality of not being overly impressed by one's self-importance. The quality of not being overly impressed by one's self-importance. Uh, and uh, one pastor kind of commenting on this passage says that uh, the assumption is that you do have importance, that you do have dignity, but that there is a barrier, an end where you can exercise that dignity. That gentleness is living out the truth that our dignity doesn't actually grow or get validated by the degradation of the dignity of another person. And that's actually precisely what we see in Jesus Christ. We don't see him uh, kind of standing to the side, preserving himself, 
letting God's good creation be corrupted by sin and death, but instead he enters in to remove it. And that's actually what we see in verses 28 through 29. Jesus using all of who he is and all that belongs to him for the rescue of our dignity at the expense kind of of his his own dignity. This is what it says in verse 28 and 29. It says that all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus, who has been given all things and to which all things belong to him, uses that to communicate to us and say, come to me. Come, all who are labor, laboring and heavy laden. So far from seeing what we might expect, right? Far from seeing an all-powerful God who's been slighted by our sin, we actually see Jesus bring himself low and invite the burdens of mankind onto himself. So gentleness is understood by Jesus isn't necessarily like anything like passivity. Uh, it's nothing really uh, like just kind of handing out a nice compliment here and there. Instead, gentleness to Jesus is a controlled, powerful response that demonstrates and reminds humanity of what is actually most true about us, that we actually bear the dignity of God and that Jesus will empty himself out to restore us and to preserve us. That's a really cool and valuable thing for us to hear in today's passage In fact, Charles Spurgeon, commenting on this passage, points out this is the one place in Scripture where we see Jesus tell us about his heart, where Jesus tells us that in his heart that he is gentle and lowly. And when a first-century Jew would use the word heart, what they were telling us is that it would be a a way of describing what is most core to who they are, what is most central, the thing that drives them to do what they do. Uh, and I recently started rewatching uh, the documentary The Last Dance, which follows the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan uh, during the 1990s uh, dynasty that they had. Uh, and the documentary is littered with references of how the main thing that drove Michael Jordan's com- competition was his desire to win. And that's kind of like the idea of heart. It was the thing that drove Michael to get up, to show up, and to be present. And that was his desire to win. So that when we actually hear Jesus tell us that his heart is gentle, he is saying that it is his gentleness that drives all of his intellect, all of his emotions, and all of his will towards us. So it could be said that Jesus, that he is competitive in his gentleness towards us, that it animates kind of all of who he is and how he relates to us. And so translating this idea of gentleness into our lives, what does that look like? I think gentleness, uh, we could kind of sum it up as this, is like, When we uh, experience brokenness in the world and we relate back to that brokenness without bringing in more brokenness, Uh, or when we experience decay in the world and we don't retaliate by bringing in more decay, gentleness is almost trying to make the effort to see the God-given beauty in a person, a place, or a thing, and trying to preserve it despite the ways that it can negatively impact us. Uh, so gentleness, so kind of getting into more examples of this, is kind of like what you do when you redirect your toddler's uh, artistic creativity from drawing on the wall to like taking them to a piece of paper, right? Uh, you're highlighting, hey, you are creative, and I want to give you a place to express that. Uh, gentleness is also when you validate your spouse's feelings after you're in an argument. Maybe they do say something that kind of goes to that place that really hurts. Uh, but instead of making the conversation about that, you kind of say, hey, I really do want to understand what you're saying. I want to understand how you're feeling here. 
Uh, gentleness is admitting your own faults to your coworkers without having to point out their faults as well to make it kind of even out, right? Uh, or gentleness is even voicing your political concerns without attacking the character of another person. Um, this is kind of what gentleness in flesh looks like. And the reality is it's really difficult, right? It's really difficult to experience brokenness or decay in the world and not respond with brokenness and decay. Because we're broken, right? We're decaying. How do we do that when we don't have the resources to do that? Um, and, and especially not only that, but we're also really afraid when we experience brokenness, when we experience decay. Uh, we're, we're afraid of being gentle in those moments because we're afraid that beauty might be lost. We're afraid that fairness won't be upheld, that faults will be plastered over, and that justice is going to be lost. And so when we hear that, we know that there is a real cost to being gentle when we enter into situations. There's a real cost to restraining our power uh, from exercising vengeance and instead using that power to hunt out and cultivate the beauty before us. So then the question becomes, how, how do we do that, right? We'd love to know how to do that. Uh, but first, before we get there, I want to hit how we kind of attempt to just do that out of our own strength, the ways that we try and do that on our own. Uh, so one way we can attempt to be gentle is by, uh, or two other, just kind of by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. Uh, this is the kind of like do better, try harder, um, you know, just buckling down approach. It's being nice, putting on a nice face, right? Uh, an example of this method actually comes straight out of the sitcom Seinfeld. Uh, in one episode Seinfeld, uh, or in, of Seinfeld, George Costanza's father, uh, as he's kind of facing all of the curveballs of life, all the disappointments, all the personal slights, he learns a small phrase to help him cope with this. And so whenever he loses his cool, whenever he's feeling hard-pressed, he proclaims, serenity now, right? <laughs> serenity now, whenever he's stressed. And serenity now is his way of doing actually what we all do. Uh, the stuffing down of the bumps and bruises we experience and all their associated frustrations. We just kind of, you know, like put it down deep inside and forget about it. Uh, another term for this is what we, we call uh, faking it until you make it, right? You know that approach is like you pretend something and then hope that eventually it becomes true about you. Uh, but often what happens if that's all that's going on is that you realize that you're just always faking it and you never really make it, right? Um, and then one fateful day you realize I don't have the resources to deal with this and you kind of explode. Uh, it, it leads nowhere. Or as Seinfeld likes to remind us, serenity now, insanity later, Right? If you've seen it, you've laughed at that. It's a good one. So the reason why this doesn't work is because it only goes surface deep, right? We're only kind of dealing with out here. We're never kind of dealing with the heart. In a men's Bible study and also women's Bible study this summer, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is trying to do is to confront the reality that our attempts at living out the fruit of the Spirit go only as deep as our approach, so Jesus comes, and one of the main people that he's addressing are the Pharisees, who've been kind of attempting to fake it till you make it, the serenity now approach uh, to being good people. And in the process, they've made a list of 613 laws and prohibitions uh, to kind of make a checklist to monitor their own lives and the lives of other people. Uh, and then this, they thought they had this proposed way of living righteously, uh, but instead it ended up just being a mile wide and an inch deep, that it became a burden to the people. Of God. The Pharisees didn't reach serenity, and the insanity that they reached was kind of this fake law that led to a burdened relationship with God. 
And so when Jesus arrives, he comes to relieve that burden, and he keeps using this one phrase over and over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount, that you have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. And this is Jesus' way of saying that, hey, you've been given the law, and you've twisted it. And you've been presenting these new ideas of what relationship with me looks like, what righteousness is, but you're getting it all wrong. So listen to me, the true authority of righteousness, the true authority of the law. And know that life with me isn't about maintaining a list of rules, but it's actually about a righteousness that goes much deeper, that comes only through having a relationship with me. That being gentle or any other aspect of the fruit of the Spirit doesn't come through rule-keeping, Right? It comes through knowing the gentle one. It comes from gentleness incarnate. It comes from hearing Jesus say to us corporately and also individually that you've heard it said that gentleness comes kind of from bucking up, from putting on a good face, but I say to you that gentleness comes from removing that burden of maintaining a surface-level gentleness and instead learning from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your soul. So come learn from me. I will take gentleness deep down into the core of your being. It's what I do. I'd love to do that for you. Will you let me? So far from being able to do gentleness on our own, we have to learn it from Jesus, which brings us to our final point, learning gentleness from Jesus. Uh, So a number of years ago, uh, Brene Brown kind of exploded on the scene with her uh, research in empathy. Uh, and you don't need to know who Brene Brown is, but you should know a little bit about empathy. What empathy is, or the research she was working on, was uh, this understanding uh, uh, that empathy is being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes so that you can actually see things from that person's perspective. Uh, so an example of this might be you're having a really hard day and a friend or family member comes to you, hears about your day, and instead of just immediately trying to kind of like fix it, goes like, oh, man, that sounds really tough. I don't know what to do about that either, but I'm really happy to be here with you in that. And what Brene Brown found was it was actually by experiencing that in relationship with other people that it actually made you more of an empathetic person. That empathy wasn't just something you were born with, but it was actually a skill that you acquired through experiencing it in relationship. And gentleness is much like that. Uh, In order to display the fruit of gentleness, we actually have to first receive it. Uh, We're very much like children in this way. Uh, You know, kids have to kind of receive something. They have to learn a skill. They have to learn a way to interact in the world before they can actually go and do it. And that's actually what Jesus calls us in this passage today. He calls us little children. Uh, And he's inviting us to come learn gentleness from him. So like children, we have to receive the fruit of God's spirit in our relationship with him in order to know what it actually looks like to practice it with other people. There's no doing it unless we've actually received it in relationship with him. <clears throat> and a great example of this that we see is like how this works out is with Peter. Uh, so before Dwayne Johnson, Peter was the OG rock. Uh, and he got that nickname not just because his name kind of sounded uh, like the rock in, in, in Greek, uh, but also because uh, of his confession uh, and his commitments to the kingdom of God. He kind of had that tough guy persona. You know, you don't get to have the nickname the rock without being a little bit of a tough guy. But the problem that Peter had and the problem that we all have uh, is that he had too high a view of himself. And we see this play out in a number of ways, uh, especially towards the end of Jesus' life. Uh, The night before Jesus is betrayed, uh, Peter proclaims to Jesus and everyone there that not only will he not uh, abandon Jesus, but he's also saying, I'm going to go die with you if you die. I'm going to go do that. 
Also, uh, in confessing that he wants to live out kind of the principles of the kingdom or the fruit of the spirit, uh, when Jesus is being arrested, Peter kind of says, ah, never mind about that, and then cuts off uh, a guy's ear who's trying to arrest Jesus. And then probably at his worst moment, he ends up actually three times over and over saying, I don't know the man, when he's asked if he knows Jesus, if he's been his follower. He denies Jesus three times and then eventually just abandons him and runs away. And that really could have been it for Peter, right? That could have been it for the rock. We wouldn't be surprised if that happened, right? There was a real rejection that happened. But what we find after Jesus' death and resurrection that uh, Jesus moves towards Peter. It was after actually having breakfast with all of his disciples on the coast uh, that he pulls Peter to side and he talks to him. And he asks him a question three times. He asks him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And when we first read that, we kind of think, is Jesus like trying to really shame Peter here? But what he's actually trying to do is he's mirroring the three denials that Jesus had, or that Peter had uttered earlier and saying like, hey, I want you to forget that, your failure, because of what is most true of you is that we're in relationship. And I need to hear you know that because this is who you are. And so three times Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And every time he says that, Jesus reminds him, go feed my sheep, go shepherd my people. This is who you are and this is what you do. I need you to hear that. I need you to receive this. In fact, commenting on this passage, Christopher Wright says that it was at that moment that Peter the failure became Peter the forgiven. That he was actually able to experience the power of God directed at him in a controlled and gentle way that transformed him in the depths of who he was. And it changed him, right? And we actually see this. We see how it changed him. Uh, so that going forward, Peter actually becomes a leader of the early church. Uh, he, and, and instead of running from suffering, actually writes two letters to the church about how to face suffering or how to be gentle in a world that's not gentle. Uh, and then he goes beyond that and just kind of talking about those things and actually demonstrates that as he is killed in very much in the same way that Jesus is. He is demonstrating it in all that he does. So the reality of it is, is that many of us might have a naturally gentle disposition, but all of us really need to learn gentleness beyond disposition, beyond the surface level, beyond personality. And the way that Jesus wants us to learn gentleness is the same way that Peter did. Not in our best and brightest moments, but often instead in our failures, in our big ones and in our small ones. And here are two ways that I think we can practically kind of experience or learn the gentleness of Jesus in our daily lives as we face failure. Uh, primarily, we can experience the gentleness of God uh, when we mess up and when we come to God in repentance. Or in other words, to kind of really grow in a spirit of gentleness means experiencing the love of God when we are our most exposed due to our own inconsistency or hypocrisy. But instead of kind of trying to cover it up or diminish it or downplay it, that Instead, we actually get to go to Jesus in an opportunity to be received in the same way that he received Peter. And functionally, what that means for all of us is that instead of uh, viewing repentance as kind of like this shameful activity, or this shameful thing that we have to do, instead we actually, over time, start to see that repentance as a joy. It's a joy to go be reminded of who we are, to actually go be embraced, to actually have the burden of guilt and shame removed, and to be reminded of who we are and how to actually live in this world in a way that's flourishing and life-giving to us and life-giving to our neighbors. 
It's a relief not just because Jesus takes away the guilt, but it's also because repentance helps us remember something about us uh, that we like to forget, right? Our pride puffs us up, but repentance reminds us how to be humble. Repentance gifts us the sense of humility, or what Christopher Wright calls a deep awareness that I am just as human, as flawed, and tempted as anyone else. I really have no reason to feel superior and to get aggressive when other people show me their flaws and failings. Not if I really know my own heart. So notice here that humility helps us extend gentleness to others. By being received in our inconsistent vulnerability, it actually helps us to receive others when in a similar light, when they're in the same place. And that's the second way, right? The second way that we can experience the gentleness of Jesus actually comes from receiving others from seeing them in their failings, for offering them forgiveness. And the way that works is that we can't really receive someone truly, we can't really forgive someone without actually having to go to the same place, to be reminded of the way that Jesus received us, right? We can't really be gentle to someone in their failure, uh, to someone we disagree with, or to someone uh, who's just kind of in process without actually going back and seeing and remembering how Jesus treated us when we were wrong. Uh, when we failed, or how sometimes we're just a hot mess in process, right? We have to be reminded of who Jesus is in order to actually go and demonstrate Jesus to other people. And notice that's what Jesus does to Peter, right? He forgives him, he restores him, and then he goes out and does likewise. That is likewise what we do as the body of Christ. Um, He doesn't want us to get our act together before he shows his gentleness to us. But instead, it's while we are still sinners that Christ died for us and extended his gentleness to each of us. So the truth is that once we've tasted this and once it's kind of become a central part of who we are, it makes receiving the inconsistent without kind of like a side eye or without a resentment become more and more possible. Because we actually have a heart that's looking towards taking their failure and saying, oh, Jesus took this. That I can see a person's failure and actually know that it was laid on the Son of God right next to my own failure. That's how humility is built. That's how we become gentle. So this is the reason why we can repent. This is the reason why we can receive broken people. Because all sin, all inconsistency, all brokenness is actually getting destroyed on the cross. It's where the gentleness of God we actually see come forth because there's no longer any guilt to bear, just divine love to receive. That is the gentleness of God. This means that when we exercise gentleness, we don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be afraid of beauty being lost, of fairness not being upheld, of faults being plastered over, or of justice being lost. There totally is a real cost to that, that we experience, but the real cost, the ultimate cost, the final cost of all that gets laid on Jesus on the cross. And that through him and being able to actually see that laid on him, we actually get to exercise trust. That it's actually he who's gonna make all things beautiful. It's actually he that's gonna right all wrong. It's actually he that's going to change this world. And because of that, we become more gentle because we're not trying to exercise life out of our own agenda, but instead we get to rely on his work, his timeline, and his spirit. And what we're gonna find as we do that is we become increasingly gentle people. We become kinder with our family members. We become kinder with our neighbors. And that's the invitation that we have, that instead of exploding and kind of putting our hands on all the pies, Uh, Instead of stuffing things down deep and screaming serenity now, we get to learn gentleness from Jesus. That he's the one who fulfilled all love, all joy, all peace, all patience, all kindness, 
all goodness, all faithfulness, all gentleness, and all self-control. And then on the cross, we actually get to experience all of those things poured out towards us. And that makes it possible for us to actually learn gentleness from the gentle one. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to your table, we ask that you would remind us that you feed us by your spirit. That we don't reflect the fruit of the spirit by trying harder and doing better. That we get to enjoy the beauty of who you are through a relationship with you. We ask that as we experience your gentleness in this meal, that you would make us gentle people. That we would come to the table and that we would come imagining you calling us like little children who have just been too brash or dismissive. And that you invite us to come and taste what true welcome and joy is in your kingdom. And that you change us through it. As you give us your body and your blood, remind us that we have access to all of who you are. Not because of our best efforts, but because you are gentle and lowly. Because you remove burdens and welcome us to newness of life. Prove this to our hearts now as we come. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from New City, a church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Visit our website at newcitycincy.org for more sermons and resources. That's New City, C-I-N-C-Y dot org. Thanks for joining us today, and God bless you.